Magistrali. I'm Uni Mojica. And we are so happy to have you here again. We're in your ears. Yes, yes. While you're walking to the subway, while you're at the gym. In your car, on the toilet. Hey, <laughs> we like you to listen anytime. Anywhere, anytime, any place. Do it. We got it. We got you. And we hope you got us. <gasps> but today we are back with a very special for a very special episode, and we are gonna be Featuring a lovely, beautiful, intelligent, smart, strong. woman, strong woman on our show. I know. I wish you could actually me. I had my fist up. Uni, uni was pumping <laughs> fists. Yeah. Yes. So we're excited to have our third guest on the show. Please welcome Angelica Beaner. What's up? Uni and I don't practice these things, so we just make crazy <laughs> eye contact yeah. to see who's gonna say what. Yeah, I it, love it. It, it kind of works. Out. It worked. Yes. It, it worked. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thanks yes. for coming to Thank Queens. For oh gosh! Here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Queens. Yeah. When was the last time you were in Queens? Oh, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, one of my best friends lives in Queens. Yeah. Um, In Laurelton, I think it's called. I don't don't know where that is. Yeah, it's like near Jamaica-ish, I think. I'm I'm, I'm totally making up stuff at this point, but he's he's somewhere in Queens. Okay. Yeah. And you reside in Brooklyn. BK. Yeah. To the fullest. Ooh. And originally from South Bronx. South, South Bronx. Hey, South Bronx. What? Hey. Birthplace yeah. of hip-hop? The birthplace of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I'm born 1978, sort of at the dawn of hip-hop. So wow. pretty much no one can tell me anything about hip-hop. Mm-hmm, I mean, you, you are it. hip-hop. I yeah. am hip-hop, and hip-hop is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can feel that way. Well, if you yeah. guys don't know who Angelica is, she is a journalist she is also she also is on the board of directors of the Willie May Rock Camp and she's also currently working on a documentary called Digging for Weldon Irvin which is super exciting. Thank you. She's also has a website and a blog, right? Yep. Called Culture, the Cultured, Cultured Child. Child. Cultured Child. Yeah. And we're going to be getting into Cultured Child. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be getting into what those things are today. And Angelica's path. Yeah, and her path. Yeah. And how As, she especially being a woman in the music industry, writing for music and we're going to get into her thoughts and how she got to where she is. So, uh, do you want to start with a question, Yums? Yeah, sure. Um, Not to put you on the spot. I know, you just totally put me on the I spot. I can. But that's okay. You know what? Okay. You do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing going. It. Doing it. Hey. Doing it. Well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I was raised out in Brooklyn. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, we're we're in LL territory. (laughs) We had to do it. Yeah. Yes. So, 
you do a lot of different things. Yes. How did you find, Uni and I just talked about that you can pursue a lot of different things. And so how do you do that and make them all work together and in sync? And do you get inspirations from different projects that you're working on? Are they all connected in some way? Are they separate to you? They're not separate to me. I think the work that I do is super intersectional. And I think that when I started writing full-time, when I started taking uh, journalism a lot more seriously, my goal was to make sure that I point out the intersectionality. You can't talk about, for instance, I write predominantly about jazz music um, when I first started out in 2011. That's still where I am. Um, my focus is mm-hmm. for the most, you know, so, well, for the most part. We can get into the expansion of that, mm-hmm. but I think um, what I really wanted to highlight was that you, the culture is inextricable to the music. Um, you can't talk about jazz or really any black art form without talking about race, politics, social justice, love resistance Mm. um so for me writing about those things in that context was very 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 important to me because I was sick of honestly reading very um what I felt to be sort of shallower um analysis of black music by predominantly older white men yep and so that weren't connecting all of those things not at all because they are connected yeah Yeah. and they can there's no way that they could tell that story because that's not even their story yeah that's and that and that you know that's absolutely right and i think that leads to sort of the larger discussion of black people being able to sort of control the narrative of their own uh, creations in their own creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's amazing. And so how did you, so let's talk about the culture child. Mm-hmm. So how did that, how was that created? How and then what, what exactly is it? And then what do you, how do you use the culture child, that mm. platform? Yeah. Well, culture child, literally it's when you use the word birth. It was birthed out of me actually giving birth. <gasps> um, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was, again, like mostly writing about jazz um, after working in the industry for a number of years. And then I started writing full time. And I realized a couple of things. Um, My son was very musical. Mm -hmm. And so a way that that was a a way that we were able to strengthen our mother son connection um, was because Mm -hmm. he was so musical. I'm super musical. We, it's a musical family, you know, that, that he comes from. From. And so, um, it was a very natural, organic way for us to connect. Uh, but then I realized how I could use the music to sort of help him shape his identity Wow! because, you know, I knew my, uh, my son at some point was going to be called the N word. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't know when. It happened this year in third grade. I remember we talked um, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that America was going to come hard and fast at my son. So what I wanted to do was sort of arm him with the reality of his identity so that when these things come at him, he knows how to stand up for himself. Yeah, speak on it for himself. And speak for himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have such a hard time saying stand your ground after 
Oh, this is the Zimmerman thing. It's oh, I, I, I'm like I want to use that term, but I'm like I have to find another one because it just it, it's triggering for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be black in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But yeah, so helping him uh, contextualize his identity and and really feel strong and armed because I'm not going to be in the classroom with him to fight his battles and yeah. to, you know you know when when he had a, a friend tell him that you know he couldn't be a certain superhero because he was black or. You know, just all kinds of things. Um, or when Riley wanted to base it. Well, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, That's okay. No, it was, <laughs> it was important to me to for him to see his authentic self and have a sense of his authentic self a lot sooner than, you know. And then actually walking into the classroom. Yeah, exactly. And a lot sooner than m- most people have to. You yeah, know, that most the people, kids. Yeah. Exactly. Most white kids. They don't have to be thinking about the, these things or worried about being called names that have such a heavy history and a derogatory uh, relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so when I realized that I could use music to help him in that way, I was like, oh. That's incredible. You know? And um, so, you know, I'm a Stevie Wonder fanatic. Mm. I like to think I'm the biggest Stevie Wonder fan there ever was, but I don't know. Um and so, you know, I'll never forget playing Happy Birthday for him and us talking about yes. why the, the, the impetus of that song. Mm. And from that, we start talking about uh, Dr. King and we start talking about the holiday. We start talking about why there was a need for this holiday. Um, we start talking about why there was, more importantly, why there was a need for that song. Um, because Jeff Sessions, who's in office right now, voted against the bill. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's so there was so much to contextualize just from. So a song isn't just a song anymore. So I said, wow, I can really sort of build and expand on this way of teaching with using something that he's already um, connected to, connected to gravitating towards and gravitating towards and giving it that historical context. And that's kind of how it was born. Wow. That yeah. is a beautiful story. Oh. Wow. <laughs> That's really cool. So you talked about your musical heritage. Thelonious Monk is your uncle. Yes, my great uncle. Mm-hmm. And so how do you feel like working, especially being a woman working in the music industry, how do you feel like, do you feel like you've been treated differently because of that? Uh, how have you... In positive or negative. Ways, yeah, how yeah. have you created your own identity with having such a big musical heritage behind you? Wow. You know, it's interesting. Um, I first, uh, when I started working at Blue Note Records, I went to my family for their blessing um, because there were complex, it's a complicated history. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that that was something that they were down with. And I did get the green light, so to speak, um, but it was, um, it was, it, 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 it was a very challenging environment. environment for me. Yeah. Because, you know, it was definitely predominantly white male. Um, and they, frankly, they weren't really used to ha- having black women there who were really, really into the music. And, there were yeah. a couple, right. but we were certainly in the minority. And I think that in many ways, my uh, family affiliation was resented um, 
nuts. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Taken out on you in a way? Well, they definitely did things to sort of try to bring me down a peg or two. Like, for instance, there was this uh, Monk Coltrane album that came out. It was a Monk Coltrane live at Carnegie Hall in 1957. Oh, I remember when that came wow. out. Yeah. That was, it was a huge it was deal. Huge. That was like 2005? Um, something like that, exactly. Um, you know, this whole very, uh, you know, dramatic story about them finding it, uh, finding the tapes in a box at the Library of Congress yeah. and this whole thing. And... Um, I'll never forget the day that everyone first, everyone in the office anyway, had first heard the music. Uh, and um, the president of the label at the time, you know, Bruce Lundvall, you know, he's no longer with us. Um, but he invited in a very select group of people into his office to listen to the album. I was not one of them. That's nuts. Um, and it just felt like, well... You know, first of all, I was kind of laughing because I was like, yeah, I don't know. I already heard it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. Right. Like, you were a long time ago. I, I've been Y'all late. late. You know. But, um, but I think there was, you know, this sort of symbolism hmm. in the exclusion of, you know, and I never, yeah. I never wanted or looked for, um, special treatment because I was family. If anything, I was kind of trying to hide that as much as possible yeah, throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not hide it, but just definitely not yeah, so wear it on your, my Yeah, sleeve. you can have a sense of, of your own, being your own person. Sure, that for sure, you know. And, and so it wasn't that. It was more so the principle. It was this exclusion. It was this, you're listening to this, you know, landmark album, these, you know, the, this two African-American giants and there are no black people in the room listening, having this initial moment. There was no one that they deemed worthy to be in this initial sort of privileged uh, session. And it, 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 it made a heck of a statement, you know, but, but, you know, but also, you know, the positive, and I could go on and on, honestly, about the sort of sexism and and um, just being a black woman in that space, you know. But I think the positive that came out of it was holding that space, holding space for people who looked like me who were part of the culture. And that could be, you know, whether I was in a board meeting and said something, you know, when they crack a joke and say... You know, because uh, when the when the Monk Coltrane numbers came out, they said, "Who would have thought t- uh, Nora Jones?" Because because the the numbers that album had eclipsed Nora's uh, numbers that week or the opening week or whatever it was. They said, right. "Who would have thought two dead guys would beat Nora Jones?" You know, blah blah blah. And oh. I had a lot to say about that. Two dead guys. What? Yeah. You That's know, disrespectful. Yeah. So, you know, just being able to be in the room to call that kind of disrespect out, you know, and, you know, so whether it was that kind of thing or whether it was coming up with projects that just put jazz in another narrative that maybe they weren't readily thinking about all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Um, and that's not, not just that blue note, but that's across the board, like being able to do it, whether it's just creatively or whether it's, you know, putting my fist down in a meeting and saying, I don't think so, you know, those I would say are the positives of being able to hold space and mm-hmm. represent. Do you feel ever like, not that it's a burden, but 
that the spotlight's on you and and you know when you worked at Blue Note or other places that you've worked that man that's a big responsibility or is it something that you feel like that's just the way it is what I have to do I think both yeah I think you have to I think you have to wrap your head around the responsibility and then you have to also so that you don't take everything personally so that you can do the work mm-hmm. I think you have to psych yourself out a little bit and just sort of forge ahead mm-hmm. um, but it was difficult it was really difficult I had a boss who you know toward my toward the end of my time at Blue Note who told me that um well, you only care about the jazz artists. It had become a thing where jazz had become, she had gaslighted me, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, jazz had sort of even become a dirty word working right. there. I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, while I understand, yes, we don't work for the artists, we work for the label and all that kind of stuff you have to wrap your head around, which was difficult, to be quite honest. It was a learning curve for me. Um, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was bizarre at times. Little twilight zoning at times. Wow! So actually making that transition to actually decide and to leave—that's a big. That was a big step for you. It was, yeah. It was a necessary step, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I feel like I sort of even saw where the industry was kind of going, and the labels were so cynical about, you know jazz and its ability to sell or not sell and it just became this very cynical toxic environment environment where you know everybody was sort of spinning their wheels they didn't really know you know how to deal with this sort of next phase of what the what started happening with the industry and it just it just wasn't uh it wasn't fun anymore yeah you know it wasn't fun anymore and what we do let's be honest it should be fun yeah yeah Working in the arts, working in music, working in jazz. Yeah. You know, we're not... Should be enjoyable. We're not surgeons with people's lives in our hands. We're creating culture and art and music, and it comes from love. Yeah. So it can't be from a dark place. No, it can't. And especially, you know, all my superiors were, you know, white and telling me to basically... You know, I went to one of my superiors about this crazy woman... And he's like, you know, you just got to kind of put your head down and, you know, and don't buck. I was like, I am what? so out of here. If you think I'm going to put my head down don't buck for this crazy oh lady, God. you must be out your goddamn mind. Like, are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? Like, you know. I feel like that's people that don't want feathers ruffled. They want everything to be the way they want it to be. And anything out of the ordinary, especially someone that's bringing up radical ideas that aren't it's not radical it's just different point of views it's so disrespectful to say that to somebody and it's demeaning and sexist oh absolutely because i can't imagine hearing you know oh uh, a white male go into the office and share similar grievances you know like we had we had gone down to a music festival and you know every everyone was booked a room but me you know yeah wow (laughs) stuff like that you know and they're telling me to kind of like put my head down and 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 be quiet i was just like i don't think so i don't think you understand my lineage i mean there's nothing about 
my lineage that says put your head down. Everything says go against the yeah, grain. Exactly. Stand up for what you believe in and do what you need to do. So they had the wrong black woman mm-hmm. there. They picked the wrong one. <laughs> they picked the wrong one today, Bert. You, you picked the wrong one. No, you picked the right one. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, you yeah, must be crazy. Man. I'm th- looking on my phone right now because I'm thinking about everything that's been going on with Serena Williams. Yes. Uh, she, what is the U.S. Open? Mm-hmm. She yep. just lost. Mm-hmm. But because the she was penalized because she was emotive and she... It was passionate. She was. She was passionate and speaking and and challenging the. Is it a referee? Yeah, it was a referee. Yeah. yeah. And I want to find this quote that. Um. There's this one that says, "I'm fighting for women's rights and equality," is what she's saying. But there was something else that was talking about how you she, know, she she was going through it and that she had to go through it. She's hoping that her going through this is going to allow the next woman that's going to be in her place. Right? Is that the one yeah, you're talking about? That, yeah, that she's kind of being that She's trying that to break sacrifice. that ceiling. Yeah. Exactly. But also... It's terrible. It was talking about how if a man was doing that, they're considered strong and fighting for what they want, whereas if a woman does it... Right. She's just looked at as like an angry black woman. Right. Which is like... Right, exactly. Because I think, yes, women, generally speaking, are sort of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, sort of deemed, you know, emotional and irrational or Mm -hmm. emotional in a negative context and that kind of thing. But particularly with black women, it is, um, it costs us our lives to be vocal. Yes. um, To have too much to say, you know, as you see also in the news and in the media, you know, they're calling the cops on black women at an alarming rate for existing, uh, asking for a fork at a waffle house or, you know, have letting their daughter sell water so that she can help finance her Disneyland trip, you know, just right. existing in black bodies and in particular women existing in our bodies is, is, um, just a danger in itself. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we so. actually experienced that this yeah, past weekend. We did. We did experience that this Do you want to share your story of what happened? So I haven't heard what, what's happened, so my reaction will be authentic. <laughs> but I also want to say quickly before you say the story is, you know, as a white woman, I understand my privilege in that way. Mm-hmm. I can say things, especially at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that some of my colleagues, because they're women of color, would not be able to say. And I say them, and I don't think twice about it. And some things I say because I think I'm a woman, and I need to say this, and I can get away with it. And that's my Mm. privilege as a white person. Right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's things that we, like you said, that a black woman would want to say, but there's so much that she has to weigh and measure, whether it's her, her livelihood or... Her life. Exactly. Literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah. 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 That's a big burden to have on you all the time, considering all those factors just to speak your mind. It's why I couldn't just write about jazz anymore. And even when I was writing Mm, about jazz, like I said, I was writing about it from all of these. um, I was writing about it from all of these other perspectives that were around the things that we're talking about. But in just being a mom now 
and raising a, a black son, there was no way that that wasn't going to inform the way I write and the things that I was writing about because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a very sick, sick uh, society and a sick country that we're living in. It is. Yeah. So what so, was your uh, experience so where do we even start? Where, do we, where should we start? <laughs> well, I mean, we were simply trying to uh, drop off um, something to, yeah. you know, to a, a musician that was playing at the Blue Note that night. Um, in the West Village. In the West Village. Yeah. Uh, so Blue Note, the club, which is a separate entity right, from the label. label. Yep. And uh, we get there and, you know, we're sort of met with... You know, you get it. They're at the door, and, you know, so they have to be discerning of, um, you know, I guess we weren't, we didn't have a ticket. We yeah, weren't on we weren't the on list. a guest list. We didn't make a reservation or anything like that. But Nor were we trying to stay for the show. Yeah, we okay. weren't, yeah, we weren't <laughs> anyway trying to be like, oh, can we get in and watch the show for free, too? Like, no, we, we went there. We weren't there trying to get one over. Trying to no. deliver payment to a musician. Yeah. And, um... Which I feel like no one should stop from happening. <laughs> <laughs> Pay these men. Exactly. I'm saying men because that's who's on stage. Right. Pay yeah. these women too. Pay mm-hmm. them more, actually. Exactly. But we digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in another in another world, pay them more, right? Let's... Yes. How about just pay yeah. them equal? Exactly. Wow. Right? Wow, what a concept. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy concept. Mm-hmm. So I managed to go up there and... Pass off. Said payment. Package. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come back down and Angelica's outside talking. You're talking with the. I was talking to the manager. The manager, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were catching up because. You knew. So you knew this person. Yeah. I knew. I knew, you know, one of the managers because I've been working in this business a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we were sort of catching up and shooting the breeze. And this white man stumbles out of the the door mm-hmm. out of the front door yeah and he starts talking to us in in an odd way like he's drunk and sweating. no one knows him it's not he's inviting no, himself no. into the conversation nope. well we certainly don't know him we yeah. don't know him she and i didn't know him but he uh was very known to the, the staff the staff the management and everything which mm-hmm. is sort of what's problematic about the story as it unfolds. Mm -hmm. You know, he was not a stranger to anyone at the Blue Note. No. No. So he starts talking to us, and he's actually, like, cursing. Yep. Using pretty inappropriate language for people that he doesn't even know. He's like, do you know who the F I am? Oh, God. He's like, I work with all these artists. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like starting to pull out his business card or whatever. It looked like he was going to hand it to you at some point. Yeah. And and then he looks at your hair and then my hair and he's like, you, you need to, you got to comb your hair. And you too. Well, what he actually said was, you need to comb, can we use language is this oh uh, yeah. yeah we can, we can. yes can. he said you need to comb your fucking hair right and i said excuse me and he said comb your fucking hair both of you <gasps> yeah that's exactly what he said and i just is the manager i mean i would have been so i would have jumped in that right i was that i'm cool with wasn't did not witness this no. okay. but the people no. um who were sort of you know manning and womaning the door let it happen. 
it wasn't until they were, just they were really just standing there. Um, and that was what was most atro- atrocious about it because I have no doubts that if we were two white women and this man was, I mean, this man was literally about as close to my mouth in this microphone. He was in my yeah. face. And before he had made the comment about us combing our hair, I don't, I can't count how many times I was asking him, leave me alone, back up, give me space, you know, those kinds of that kind of language and nothing, you know. And so now... And no one is coming and No one is coming. And then what he does is there's a police car that's behind us. The two policemen outside. Yes. And he says, I'm going to the police. So... What? Right. Yep. So... What? I'm sorry. And you're... Is that like an out-of-body experience where you're like, is this actually happening to me? Yeah, it was. I was like, I was in shock. And then he goes... I don't know what he said to the the police officers. I don't know what he said to the police officer, but I know what the police officer said to me. And so they got out of the car. Well, they were the they were the, outside they were of the outside car. of the okay. car already. And so he goes over and blabs something to the police. But instead of the police being able to instantly ascertain that this man was Inebriated. drunk or out of it, he comes up to me and it says, "What's the problem?" And not in a concerning way in a aggressive way. And I said, well, the problem is he just told me I need to go comb my fucking hair. And he's been, you know, he's cursing. He's being obnoxious. I don't know this man. He's in my face. He said, okay, well, walk away. Which way are you walking? Which way are you going? What? And in that moment, it was like... Like blaming you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, 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 what are you going to do about it? Is, you know, so the own it. So not only am I completely blindsided and attacked by this man unprovoked don't then know he you. goes get the pol- he now goes he goes and gets the police and the police come over to me and ask me which way am i going and saying you're the like, problem no. and then which is like, saying that i'm right the problem. here <laughs> right no. and so and that's exactly what i said to him i said i because in that moment i'm like i don't know which way i'm going and i'm not going anywhere right, right this second and then i was like no he actually came over here and was harassing yeah was harassing us so exactly when they finally decided to say something to him and walk him about, I don't know, half a block up, he starts calling the police all kinds of bitches. You effing bitches. Da, 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 da. And the police just kind of shake their head like this crazy guy and walk into the convenience store. So it's like, so this white man, it, it just was. Was I surprised? No, because this is what happens every day in America. So it was just sort of our turn to experience experience. this particular thing where it's like I was minding my business. I don't know you from a can of paint. You come up to me. You attack me. You make basically a racial slur, a a racially motivated insult. Not a racial slur, but you you make a racially motivated insult toward two black women. about the about derogatory way. Sure, about their natural hair. Right. And somehow I have to explain my physically taking up space on a sidewalk to an NYPD police officer. You have to explain what the problem is. Yeah. When this guy created this he problem. He created the whole issue. Yeah. And then let alone that, and it's clearly this guy inti- didn't even do anything at all. Right. And then after that, they were like, oh, he does this to everybody. What kind of excuse is that? That's right. not an excuse. That's not an excuse. You shouldn't even be excusing that behavior. That shouldn't be tolerated. At all. It, it was... It, at all. It was disgusting. Not only are we women, not only are we black women, but it was established by that point that we were also a part of this community. So it really, in that moment, I felt devalued 
and disrespected. You know, I know you, 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 you I know we had shared, we had yeah. talked a bit about how demeaning that felt for us, you know. And what was so interesting is I actually got an apology email from this man yesterday. So the from next the man day, himself. From the man himself. So apparently the management at Blue Note called him. And they alerted him of his behavior. This is, this is what he's saying to me. I was alerted of my behavior. I, as odd as it may sound, oh, no. I, I don't have any recollection of this. I must have blacked out from drinking too much. This is not who I am. This is not my nature. This is not my character. So while, and it's just, it is just a, a micro. It, he's giving co- himself excuses. Right. And, and it's, it's, a, it's an example of what the larger issue is in America. To be white is to say, I could have almost gotten your head blown off by, ta- by taking right. yeah. a, a, a made-up grievance to a police officer. Because if I hadn't kept my cool and I had gotten it, – let's say I had said, well, why are you talking to me? You should be talking to him. He da, 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 da. You would have been arrested. Right. right. It would have ended or in – It could have ended – yeah. It could have, it could have ended my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's no exaggeration. No, it's not. So but – isn't, but isn't that America? Is, isn't that white privilege? You get to get a phone call and a, an, an admonishment of your behavior that apparently you uh, allegedly don't even remember and you can send me an email apologizing and it should be water under the bridge insane meanwhile your actions could have cost us dearly yeah yeah he has no clue yeah no clue so and i'm sure he will get drunk and be inappropriate again absolutely yep you got that right crazy that is terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that happened to both of you. Thank you. It was wild, yeah. Yeah, it was wild. That's hurtful. But, yeah, 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 yeah. This is America. Hey. And isn't that the thing, too? Isn't that to be black in America, too? To still be able to find a space to rejoice, to sing to laugh yeah you know to survive really because that's what you have to do to survive yeah why is it so that is an extreme story yeah but we put up with and bad 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 behavior is passed in in the jazz industry at least that's my my experience all the time and usually it's men that are okaying it Oh, yeah. Oh. And you're like, wait a second. Wait a second here. And sometimes women, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I pick oh, up my absolutely. tea. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes women, too. But, yes, you're right. Absolutely. It is a, it's a frat boys. Men's club. Men's yeah. club. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the future for for women in this space and for that behavior specifically changing? You know, I don't know what the future holds. What I do know is that we're living in a very transformative time, I think, where our society is being forced to look at these things and to listen. And they're not being forced in this, like, organic, sweet, loving way. They're being Mm -mm. forced because of the work that women are doing. You know, we're putting it in your face and, you know, the advocacy that's happening, even... You know, for me, it was really important. I'm on the board of directors for this organization called the Willie Mae Rock Camp for yes. Girls. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to be a part of something like that was because of exactly what we're talking about. 
and it's mm-hmm. um it's for it's for girls and transgender and uh, gender nonconforming youth from the age of eight to eighteen. And it's a musical and social justice organization named after Big Mama Thornton, who was uh, really one of the queens of rock and roll. Wow. Uh, she was a queer black woman who, <clears throat> excuse me, who recorded Hound Dog originally before wow. Elvis. Wow, wow. When you hear her These version, you don't These are the stories need... we need, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, exactly. So, you know, the, the, the camp is really sort of, um, she, she's, the, she's the namesake, of course, and she's the inspiration for camp and we have you know um two weeks every summer um music camp but it's also social justice and we've really ramped up our social justice leg of the organization because of you know just the world we're living in and sort of the heightened sense of america yeah but um i think being a part of organizations like that or you know women in music or just even being um women like you like you both who mm-hmm. are, like I said, just holding space in these male-dominated arenas. Yeah. You know, I think that's going to help push the needle forward. I'm not an optimist by nature, um, but I'm hopeful. And yeah. I'm hopeful that, mm-hmm. you know, the more uh, women, the, the more people listen to black women, the better off this world yes. will be. Yes. But the more we listen to women in general, um, I think we'll be able to push our push agendas forward, forward and, and, and make a difference. But I really don't know what the future holds. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. It already has taken a long time, and we have a long way to go. But, yeah. but we can't stop. Yeah. Can't stop. Especially. Can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. Yes. Oh, men. Men that listen to women, more men. Yes, women. yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Women of color. Absolutely. Really listen. Really so. listen and not mansplain it or over talk or all that other jive. Give us space to be. Yeah. Is Willie Mae Rock Camp for Girls, is it New York City based? It is. Our, oh, our yeah, headquarters are in Brooklyn um, and our campuses. Uh, sort of rotate so sometimes we are at um you know different schools or stuff like that for where where camp session is actually held but we also have um ladies rock camp and jumpstart rock camp and then we have our um, arts and activism program and we're really working on getting into public you know more public schools and public spaces and bringing camp to, to the masses them. giving make giving it more accessibility yeah because that's, that's super awesome. important. Is. You know, you got to bring it to the people. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's interesting hearing you talk about music and social justice for this organization for girls, but then also earlier hearing you talk about raising your son yeah. and yes. combining music and things that he's going, experiences that he's going to have that it's are socially, awesome. social justice related. Yeah. And wow. and I think another I'm glad you brought that up because I think another really important piece is that my son sees me advocating for girls. You know. So important. It's so important. Sees his mom so doing important. that. Yeah. Yes. Moms need to do that more. Yeah. 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 And also, you know, he comes and sits in on board meetings and he's seeing a round table full of badass women mm. who are smart, who are connected, who are 
you know, imaginative and have ingenuity. And sometimes they say, well, Riley, what do you think? And he gives his input. But I think it's so important at this age for him to see women in those kinds of positions yes. and yes. advocating for women and girls. Because it's not shocking or surprising to him. It's right. like, this right. is the way it is. Right. He's a feminist. Oh my, yeah. Yeah. my son is a feminist. And Woo! if, and if, yes. Mm-hmm. And if he, you know, he'll, he calls out sexism all the That's time. Amazing. And so, and how old is he? He's That's nine. That's awesome. awesome. And he's been doing it. <laughs> I'm so excited for him. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's he's, really cool. It's really amazing. So, you know, if I can keep that up. That's where the future is right there. Yeah. No. It really is. Yeah. Amazing. Oh. I believe the children no, of the future. Thank you. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank Let them eat me. So, so our time is is, is slowly running out. We running didn't get out. to talk about the the digging for Weldon Irvin documentary. Well, you, you just plugged it. You know, I did it, plug it. it's yeah. It's a where doc- can people check it out or check out information about it? Uh, digging for Weldon Irvin. No, Weldon Irvin film.com and awesome. you can find the synopsis you can find the trailer there uh Weldon Urbine uh is an, a very very important unsung ancestor uh he wrote the lyrics to Young Gifted and Black he was Nina mm. Simone's musical director for a number oh, of years wow. and he's wow, sort of the yes. father of sort of you know fusion and in in a lot of ways he was a mentor to people like marcus miller and tom brown and he's just a really important cat and um it's directed by uh victorious da costa who's an amazing black uh director and he's also working on a documentary about yusuf hawkins so we're really excited about it we've got some great people that we've interviewed we've got q-tip and lenny white and um nina simone's own brother wow um the name escapes me. Um, but um, yeah, so it's 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 a it's a really great piece. Weldon uh, committed suicide in two thousand two, wow. and so a lot of the film is also touching on mental wellness and mental health and how working in this industry and in this business is um, it's important to take care of the whole self. Yes, and that you know that's really it's a we're, we're, it's a toxic industry. Mm-hmm. And it's a difficult it's industry trying, to be yeah. in if you're not um, constantly taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mind, mind, body, and soul. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. And how can people find you and what you're up to? Ah, yeah. Well, I'm on Instagram as Cultured Child, um, and you know, you could, you could. <laughs> my personal Instagram is private because I was uh, relentlessly stalked online Ugh. some years back, um, but. It's Jelly Jelly Bobelli. And um, I love that. If We're I put all these links in our descriptions, yeah. FYI, peoples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. if you seem like a person who's not a jilted, crazy person, I will accept you as a friend. <laughs> 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 but please also follow Weldon Ir- Irvine Doc, uh, Digging for Weldon Irvine, Victorious DaCosta. Um, Awesome. Yeah. Yes. We'll link all of this. Thank you. So we we usually end the show with a segment a called Dear Men. <laughs> ah! It's just, you know, something that's on our mind. It can be related to what we've been talking to or not that you just need men to hear. So I don't know if you have something that has been on your mind that you'd like to share, words of wisdom, 
for our listeners. Um, for our, our listeners, male our listeners. male listeners. Uh, dear men, don't gaslight women. Woo. Plain and simple. If you don't know what gaslighting is, Google it. Because <laughs> it's very, it's it's sickening. Yeah. It's Do you have any ex- an experience that you want to share or we'll leave it at that? We'll leave it at that. Yes. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Great. Great. And then we like to end on a positive note with some words of encouragement. Do you have anything, whether it's related to the music industry or being a woman or a woman of color, living in Brooklyn, being from the Bronx, any, whatever you'd like to share with our listeners of words of encouragement, getting by in the world. Read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That will encourage you. That will give you life. That definitely, that's one of my favorite books. Yeah. And it'll just set you on a path of being, you know, an inspirational person, you know, to mm-hmm. have that kind of veracity and, co- and courage will definitely inspire you. So, yeah, read that. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> well, it's been so cool having you in Thank Angelica. you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Our third Amazing. guest. Yes. Ah, three's a, three's a lady. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for being here. We'll be back soon. We'll be back for our third episode. Ciao. Bye.